0: Rocks would not materialize this past week, so they're still in my pocket. But I thought we would just pause. Have does anybody have a story of this week? Did anybody, um, I was going to say, throw their rock at somebody? But <laughs> 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 that would be a story. <laughs> yeah, that would be a better story. <laughs> Did anybody? Utilize their rock of thanks and ripple it into somebody else's life. Anybody? Nobody? It was such a good illustration when we did it. <laughs> Not going to flog a dead horse. Come on. This is also a primer to get you guys thinking and uh, interacting this morning with me, okay? Last chance. Anybody? Thanks in the week. What did you guys do with your rocks? You still have them. Okay, that's good. Okay, Well, well, maybe we'll come back to it next week. Yes, sir. We didn't have a rock because we were away last week, but we, Nuron and I, visited a, a lady that's been coming to our Bible study, and uh, she doesn't seem to know the Lord. And we were thankful to have an hour with her in her home, and she says, No one comes and sees me in my home around here. And I said, We're here for what we're worth, you know. And we did <laughs> a lovely visit with her, with her and, and it was a beginning, so we're thankful. Is this the lady you met at the car exactly. rally, exactly. the biker yeah. That's awesome. That's Shirley? Is that her name? Yeah, Shirley. You guys, for those of you who don't know uh, Sandy and Muriel, um, after the service, go if, and ask him how he met an elderly biker lady and invited her to life group. That's who he's talking about. And now she's invited you into her home. She's not that elderly. Oh, okay. Upper middle. Upper middle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I just assumed she was older. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thank you, Sandy, for that. Well, Tyler just gave us a, a, a quarterly update of our finances, and uh, I. Uh, it's good to pause and it's good to stop and evaluate things as you're going through them so that you can make course corrections. And we're in the middle of our series called Unleashed, Living and Walking in the Gifts of the Spirit. And this week, um, this week we were, go- we were planning on moving. In the past weeks, we've been focused on the miraculous gifts, prophecy and healing, um, And uh, tongues would fall into that category, although we haven't hit on tongues yet. And this week we were going to go, we have these great names, theological names, into the simple gifts of mercy and encouragement and hospitality and helps. And uh, that was going to be my, uh, I was tasked with that uh, topic. And as I was wrestling uh, with God throughout the week, I right from the get-go sensed him saying, no, I think you guys need to stop and do an evaluation first and do a little pause and see where we're at in this series. And I'm like, I'll be honest, I'm like, no, 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 God, our outline says we're moving on to the gifts, the simple gifts. And so uh, let's, let's get on with the simple gifts. And he kept saying to me, no, uh, I want you to pause and, okay, okay, so pause, pause. Okay, well, do some evaluation. And when I finally quieted my spirit and said, okay, where are we at? In our series called Unleashed, it dawned on me that I don't, re- and, and I am totally open to your correction today. Feel free to to stand up and jump in and uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. The goal of the series, the title itself, to me, is an, is an image, a picture of something that should be happening. And when I paused and stopped, I, in the spirit of transparency and uh, authentic community, I'll be honest. I, I'm not so sure that we've experienced an unleashing of the gifts of the Spirit in our midst. I could be wrong. Some of you guys might like totally be there. I think we've seen some evidence of it in, in the, the weeks that we've been focused. I think some very good things have happened. But I, I, I had this picture in my mind of, uh, of, of a young energetic dog uh, leashed up in the backyard, laying on his mat by the door waiting for his owner to come back. You know, you can all picture that, right? And that dog, as soon as that dog hears the sound of the owner's car, already starts to stir and already starts to get antsy. And when that uh, uh, owner parks in the, in the, in the back and in the garage, and then comes through the garage door into the backyard, the dog that's leashed there is like bouncing. You know that picture of a young, energetic dog waiting to be unleashed? Waiting to pounce on the owner. And we all know that feeling, right? You're the owner, and the dog just jumps on you. It's like the best thing that's ever happened. I'm unleashed, and I get to be with my owner. And I thought, Lord, has that happened? In the life of Jericho. And so it gave me pause, cause to pause. And I began to press into that uh, with Pastor Brad uh, this week. And say, how are we doing? Like, I don't want to just keep going through the motions. I don't think we're going through the motions. But are we missing any something? Is there? And as we prayed, we, we sensed, Yeah. We're butting up against something what's going on and uh and so uh so we just felt like, okay, we're not going to go into the simple gifts today. we're going to pause, and uh I'll take you a bit through the conversation uh that I had um with God this week as we were praying um Ultimately, we heard God ask us a question. And repeatedly in the Gospels, we have this picture of Jesus, uh, people coming to Jesus and asking him questions. And over and over and over again, what does Jesus do? He answers with a question. And so here, Brad and I were... um, we're praying and seeking God and saying, God, why are we not experiencing this unleashing? Why? Like, like we, don't want to, we don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to come to the end of the unleashed series on gifts. And, okay, we did it. We went through gifts and now let's move on. It's Advent and away we go and Christmas and then we get into Easter and this is just a series that we just tuck away. Check it off the box. Why are we not experiencing and unleashing? And in the midst of that, heard God say to us as a church, and this is the question I give to uh, you guys and want you to engage with uh, today, now, and and moving forward. uh, Just heard God saying to us, Jericho, why do you want the gifts of the Spirit? Here we were crying out, "Why aren't we being un- or experiencing an unleashing?" And he responded to us and said, "Why do you want the gifts?" Hmm. Take a minute to process that, if you need to write down a sentence. This is what I want. Uh, This is what I expect. This is why I uh, am here this morning in regards to this whole series of the spiritual gifts. I think we all have an answer to that question. And so, I want you to be honest with yourself. I'm not going to, I mean, if you want to, if you want to, You can text me your answer or write it down or if you want to be accountable. If you don't have my number, 778-834-3692, text away, it's right here. Um, But be honest with yourself. Why do you want the gifts of the Spirit? One of the dangers... um, I think that we uh, come up against and are prone to uh, whenever we focus on the spiritual gifts is becoming myopic or narrow-sighted. In fact, uh, it can lead us into a very self-centered place when it comes to spiritual gifts. And we usually end up taking the gifts of the Father and we make it about us. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that I think that we have conditioned ourselves as a church. um, And not just us, but the bigger church, our our society of church, our culture of church. Um, We've we've been conditioned in the church when it comes to spiritual gifts to um, make them somehow about us. And, And we zoom in on like, what is my gift? And, oh, okay, if that's my gift, how do I use my gift? When is it appropriate? When is it not appropriate? And if that's my gift, then these aren't my gifts, so I don't have to worry about any of those gifts. They're not my gifts, so I don't have that. Somebody else should have that. Uh, And we get very myopic in our perspective, and I'm realizing that um, we've done you, us, the church, a disservice in that regard we've fashioned a, a fairly narrow and lacking ethos for the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, and I think what we've done is we've said that the gifts can exist like this, and they can't exist like this. And, and um, we lose sight of the grander landscape that God is... Um, creating and working in. And I think that um, when we pause and we ask that question of ourselves, why do we want the gifts of the Spirit? We recognize that it's a pretty foundational question that comes down to what's our starting place? What's our starting place when it comes to the gifts? Paul... um, explores uh, and unpacks this with the Corinthians in an amazing way. Uh, The Corinthian church, uh, in the letter that we have in 1 Corinthians, um, they they write Paul and say, Paul, here's a whole bunch of things that we're dealing with as a church. And one of the things that they hid in their letter to Paul is um, the use of, of spiritual gifts, and especially the miraculous gifts, prophecy and tongues and healing and that's exactly what we've just come through in the last uh, three, four weeks, four weeks before uh, Thanksgiving. And, and they say, Paul, we've got some uh, questions around this. We've got questions of, of what do we do with these gifts? And, and for those who have it, like when should they use it? And how should they use it? And what does that look like in our church service? And what shouldn't they do? And they have a lot of the same questions that we as a church Today, wrestle with. And so when Paul writes back, uh, he answers a whole bunch of uh, they're other, you know, he said spiritual gifts. Why do we want to speak and and, and hear Paul's response to us? Um, I know my homiletics teacher would be cringing right now, saying you're going to go through three whole chapters. Like, people can't handle that. Have... So I'm, maybe I'm committing homiletical suicide here. But, uh, but I think that, that this is God's word and it's for us. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, uh, turn them on, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and it'll come up as well and, uh, and we're going to go, I didn't even count how many verse. it's long guys. I'm just warning you, like this is long, this is three, but this is written as a letter, it's not written as an academic paper for us to rip apart this is we need to place ourselves in the uh in the position of the church in Corinth the Corinthian Christians saying hey we've got some questions help us out and you know the old days you know you'd send a letter and you'd wait and wait and wait for it to come back and oh here it is okay let's and then they'd get together and they'd read this letter out loud to each other And Paul says now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Notice that their questions were actually very directed towards the miraculous gifts, of the, especially the prophetic. And Paul starts by answering that with a stepping back and saying, "Hey guys we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts, but we're going to start where we should always start and that's recognizing that this is not about you and your gifts this is about God Ruth Haley Barton uh, calls it a great paradox she says um, she says when we talk about Uh, using our gifts and ministering to, to other people, she says, it's all about you because you're the one God has called and gifted to be where you are in any given moment. And so it's all about you. And yet, it's not about you at all because it's all about being available to God for what he will do in and through you for the sake of others. It's an amazing paradox that we find ourselves living in. It's all about us and we are very aware of all that. And yet it's not about us at all because our focus is to be walking, living in the Spirit and letting Him do what He does through us. Henry Nunn describes it as cultivating ongoing preparedness in a life lived in response to the presence of God in the midst of our own daily activities. And Paul's saying the same thing. Hey, guys, don't misunderstand this. This conversation, this is not about you and your spiritual gifts and when do you use them and how do you use them and all that. This conversation is about God. These are the Father's gifts. He gives them to whoever he wants through the Holy Spirit, when he wants, how he wants, and for his purposes not for yours. Verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in us different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So it's all about God. He says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Gift of discernment. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. as a gift of tongues. While another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Again, this isn't about us. It's about God. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. And this makes harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Remember, we're still talking about spiritual gifts here. If one part suffers, then all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. He's appointed first apostles. Second, there are prophets. Third, are teachers. Then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others. Those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Still talking about how do I use my gifts? What do I do with the gift of prophecy? And he's been talking about God and the Spirit. And it's about him. And now he's been talking about the church and the body. And it's about all of us together. And how we're all, it's not about just me as an individual. And then he says, now let me show you a way of life that's best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't do it in love, if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Some of you need to pause right now because some of you have gone to a wedding. Because we've entered the love chapter. And we've pulled this chapter out of its context far too much. And some of you are back in the day you got married. And I just want to bring you back. Bring you back to here. Because this profound chapter 13 on love had nothing to do with getting married. Yeah, you can... Good things for your marriage, don't get me wrong. But it's in the context, it's in the conversation of how do I use my spiritual gift? That's where we find it. Right in the middle. It says it's the most important aspect of understanding spiritual gifts. Love. He's actually transposing what Jesus said. What's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law wrapped up right there. That's the two greatest commandments. And Paul has been doing the same thing. He's saying, I know you guys want to talk about spiritual gifts. But let's make sure that we're rooted in the proper space. Love the Lord your God. Spiritual gifts is all about the Father. They're His gifts. And it's about loving other people. He's transposing those two great commandments right through this conversation. That's why the spiritual gifts are given. So that our love for God is deepened, is strengthened. And so that any unbelievers who witness the usage of the gifts are drawn to God's love. God's love is revealed to them, and they can say, Oh, he's real. He does exist. He's amazing. So, why do we want the gifts of the Spirit? Paul says, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all the knowledge, if I had faith, I could move mountains. If I had the power, the, the, the ability to heal, but didn't love others, I'd be Nothing. If I gave everything to the poor, sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I'd have gained nothing. So what does that kind of love look like? Well, Paul says it's patient and it's kind. This is what it looks like when you're at home. This is what it looks like when you're in your classroom. This is what it looks like when you're driving down the road this is what it looks like when you're texting somebody this is what it, this is this is the love he's talking about it's patient it's kind it's not jealous it doesn't boast it's not proud or rude it doesn't demand its own way it's not irritable it keeps no record of being wronged it doesn't rejoice about injustice it rejoices whenever the truth wins out It never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy, ah, okay. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, he says. I know it's like on the forefront of your brains right now, Corinthian Church and Jericho Ridge, because you're talking about it, which is a good thing, but just remember where it fits in the bigger picture. Love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, Paul says, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put those things away. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, and then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I'll know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Three things are going to last forever. Three things are going to shape eternity. Three things are going to um, be your experience forever. And it's not any of the gifts. It's faith, hope, and love. Those three things you can count on experiencing forever. And the greatest of them is love. So let love be your highest goal. I know you want the gifts. And Paul said at the beginning, you should want the gifts. You should eagerly want the gifts. But that can't be your greatest goal. You can't start with and end with the gifts and become myopic and narrow-sighted. He says, actually, you've got to let love be your highest goal. But, he says, right after that, you should also desire the abilities the Spirit gives. Especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Again, are you deepening people's love for God as you use your gifts? Whether it's the gift of prophecy, the gift of helps, the gift of mercy, the gift of hospitality, the gift of celibacy, whatever it is. I wish you could all speak in tongues. He says, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying to the whole, so that the whole church will be strengthened. So don't, where's Pastor Brad when I need him? Don't, what does he say? Don't hear what I'm not saying? Paul's saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay? Prophecy is good, and it's better than tongues, and right away we go, oh yeah, yeah, right, so that's right, that's why we have the miraculous gifts in it, oh yeah. Put down there, and anybody who has that, well, they're a little bit better. And no, he says it's better because it is more able to serve the ultimate purpose of others. So if I speak in tongues, that is beneficial to me. But if nobody here can interpret what I've said, then how are you strengthened? How is your love for God deepened? If I hear a prophetic word and I speak that out, like we've talked about, then we all have the ability or the opportunity to be strengthened in our relationship with the Father, the one who gives the gift. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 6, dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching that will be helpful, even lifeless, uh, that, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly, or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? It's common sense. You might as well be talking into empty space. There are tons of different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it is a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what's been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what shall I do? I'll pray in the spirit and I'll also pray in words that I understand. I'll sing in the spirit and I'll also sing in words that I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. It's not about you. I thank God that I speak in tongues. More than any of you, Paul says. But in a church meeting, listen to this. I'd rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Wow. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It's written in the scriptures. I'll speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. So God has purposes for these gifts. Even so if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they'll think you're crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say and as they listen their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God declaring, "God is truly here among you. Oh my goodness. (sighs) Then he says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. And I won't read the summary because I just read the whole part. But he goes in and he talks about some more specifics about how to use gifts and tongues in the Corinthian church service and stuff like that. But it gets us back to that question. Jericho, why do we want the gifts of the Spirit? What's motivating us? Jesus says that our primary focus is summed up in loving God and loving others. Paul says, yep, desire the gifts, but use them to strengthen each other's love for God and use them to reveal God's love to the unbeliever. Everything, every other motivation pales in comparison to that. And nothing else is going to stand the, te- the, the test of eternity either. You're not taking your gifts with you. They're here for now for a purpose. So another voice in the conversation, Peter. Peter's the one that Jesus said, hey, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. So he might have something to say about spiritual gifts in the church. And he does. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. He says, hey guys, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. That sounds like the gift of hospitality. God has given each of you a gift. From his great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies you. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. When I asked Pastor Brad what, um, and he knows I'm, even though he's in Vegas right now and um, doing his thing with family and enjoying some time off, he knows that I've had this conversation with him. I'm not, anyways, when I asked, I said, Brad, why do you want the gifts for Jericho Ridge? This was his answer to me. He said, it's not about wanting the gifts for Jericho It's about living and walking with the Spirit. He said, God's got all the gifts. He gives them when he wants, how he wants, to whom he wants. We need to focus on loving him and others through the gifts that God gives us. Sounds like Jesus, like Paul, like Peter. For what it's worth, here's my answer to that same question. I realize I don't really want the gifts. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm open to all the gifts. But what I came to realize in the process this week of wrestling with God on this issue about my motivation is that, yeah, you know what, God, what I really want, I don't want, I don't want the gifts. I want the giver of the gifts. That's what I I, I used to long, I'll be honest, guys, I used to long for the, the gift to speak in tongues. I've never once spoken in tongues. And there's part of me that thought, like, come on, God, like, you know, and there's other times where I thought, well, maybe I'm not as spiritual as other people. And, you know, like, that seems like a pretty obvious one in the in in the New Testament. I mean, the, you know, Paul spoke in tons of tongues, and why can't I? And okay, and then you resign yourself. That's not my gift. And and then you kind of go on to the next gift. Well, you know what? You know, we're going to talk about healing. I'd love to lay my hand on somebody and, you know, see that leg, you know, go from this to this. Or, or And we process the gifts like this. And we become self-centered around these gifts. And in this process of answering and struggling with that question for hours and hours and hours this week, why do you want the gifts? I realized, oh Lord, I don't want any of them anymore. I want you. I want the giver of the gifts. I want to walk with God when He goes and heals somebody. That's what I want. I want to hear God speaking words of forgiveness into somebody's life who thought they could never be forgiven. They were too bad to be forgiven. I want to be there when he does that. I want to experience God walking into a completely broken home, completely broken marriage, and watch him weave together mercy and grace and love and what people would have said Don't even bother with. It's not worth it. It can't be fixed. And watch him take brokenness and bring new life. That's what I want. I want to experience God loving someone unconditionally. I want to help out when God invites someone to my house for a meal. even though I don't really think I have the gift of, I know I don't have the gift of hospitality. My wife has that gift. But I loved being there at Thanksgiving. Even though we had way more people than I would have invited. I said to them, I said, guys, if it was just me using my gifts, none of you would be sitting around our table right now. (laughs) Trust me. I said, this is because of my wife's gift of hospitality. But I realized in that moment, it was a beautiful thing to be a part of God pouring out his gift of hospitality through someone, and I got to be a part of it. And God blessed, I think, God blessed those people. And so I got to experience the gift of hospitality. Friends, I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be in the presence of the one who gives the gifts. I want to be an eyewitness to the God who creates new life, who heals brokenness, who redeems the fallen and those who are tossed aside. I want to be in the presence of the one who sustains faith. Day in and day out. Struggle, confusion, chaos. He's there and he sustains our faith. And this is the un believable thing that I finally heard God say this week. And I want to do it with you too. Wow. So here, take up a gift that I give to you and let's go love someone. That's what he said to me. We'll invite the worship team. Chris is going to come on up. And I just invite you To take that question, Darwin will throw it up one more time. Why do we want the gifts of the Spirit? Why do we want that unleashing? And wrestle with your God because he's the one who has all the gifts. They're his gifts. He gives them how he wants, when he wants, to who he wants for his purposes. And man, he does unleash them. Bring yourself to that place this week, somewhere where you just come to that place where you can say, ah, God, now I know why I want the gifts. I get it. And trust and anticipate an unleashing in your life of that gift.